the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello again, and welcome to Funk Radio, your favorite fog. Blah 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 blah. Shut up. <laughs> your favorite podcast for all your favorite funky hits. This is your host, Peter. And this is your other host, Kyle. That's true. Today, Kyle, what do you think we should talk about today? I think we should talk about songs that are about places, because there's a lot of songs in funk and soul that are like love songs, not necessarily to people, but to locations. Like big cities and places like Yeah, like places the people were from or places that are popular like Hollywood or New York. Mm. Speaking of New York, as I'm sure a lot of you funky listeners have figured out by now, most of the East Coast kind of got destroyed by a pretty big hurricane called Sandy. I think we posted something on Facebook yesterday. At facebook.com slash getyourfunk. Yeah, exactly. But just to reiterate, as I'm sure a lot of you listeners know, the East Coast was kind of a hotbed for a lot of different funk and soul genres back in the 60s and 70s. So, and even uh, a little bit today. Yeah, even uh, uh, yeah, definitely even a lot today. And they kind of got pretty badly damaged from this hurricane. Uh, a lot of people got displaced. A lot of people had their homes just either destroyed or flooded. And the the uh, the government in FEMA is doing a really good job of trying to like put these places and these people's lives back together, but. The one thing that's always needed when disasters like this happen is crap loads of money. So if you go onto Facebook and find our site, we linked you to a article showing how you can donate to different organizations that are on the ground helping to try to get these people back to their homes. There's like Red Cross and uh, Greenpeace, Habitat for Humanity. Not only do they need money, money right now, they, they need volunteers, they need people to donate blood because there actually are a lot of injured people from this hurricane. Yeah. So if you guys feel the spark of wanting to help your fellow man, there are plenty of ways to, plenty of ways to do it. That's true. But Funk Radio, I want to help the community. So I guess, uh, yeah, so definitely if you have any way that you can to help the uh, help everyone over there, we certainly would appreciate that. We at Funk Radio are in California where weather doesn't actually happen so uh <laughs> it, it stays pretty much constant yeah so we have earthquakes and fires that's that's our thing i mean like 1912 or something well that was bad no remember the fires like four years ago that like destroyed oh, like, those million... fires i thought you're talking about like the how like earthquakes early start... 1900s like the san francisco earthquake and then like burned down half the city because it started fires yeah no yeah <laughs> i thought you were talking about that <laughs> No. I'm sure we all remember that. Yeah, no, um, no, you are right about the, the wildfires, though, because yeah. that usually causes a lot of uh, house damage as well. What's, what's sad is I was looking at some photos, and, I, and this hurricane caused a big part of Queens, basically this one neighborhood in Queens, and like almost, like I think they said like 150 houses just burned to the ground because people were evacuated out of the area, so there was no one to put the fires out. Oh, wow. So the fire just ripped through, like, a huge chunk of the neighborhood. Wow. So, pretty sad. Oof. Yeah. Well, I guess we're fortunate to uh, not be a part of that. But, again, we hope you all either donate money or your time to to help out these people. Because this is a pretty serious predicament here. Indeed. 
And if any of you are from the East Coast, first of all, I don't know how you're listening to this because most of it's still without power. But if you are... Well, you see, what, what people do is that they go and visit their family who doesn't live in an area affected by this, and then they all sit around the radio and have fireside chats <laughs> listening to funk radio. But yes, we definitely sympathize with you and hope you guys get back on your feet quickly. That's true. So yeah, back to the subject at hand, since our topic of this episode is about places. One of the first songs that we thought of is the song Hollywood by Rufus and Shaka Khan. I guess at this time, Shaka Khan was still performing with the funk band Rufus. I'm sorry, whenever I think of Rufus, I think of a little mole rat from that Disney cartoon Kim Possible. Oh, was his was his name Rufus? I yes, his name was Rufus. That's funny. Um, anyways, I digress. Um, yeah, I guess Shaka Khan was touring with uh, the punk band Rufus, and however, there was some tension between them because they were kind of trying to go in two different musical directions. So I guess there was that creative infighting. Yeah, because I mean that's where she really got her career started with Rufus. But then, as time went on, they because st- I mean I think this was the song was from like their fifth album. So by this time, she's starting to kind of go off towards in the direction of her uh, solo career. career, I guess, and they're still performing. So there's a little bit of tension there, I guess. I remember um, there was a notable altercation between Shaka Khan and their drummer, Andre Fisher, uh, one of the man members who originally recruited her uh, after seeing her perform in a club in Chicago when she was, like, only 18. The two of them actually got in a fight after he had an argument with her husband in the studio. And Shaka, awesome name, by the way, uh, had to be carried out by the other band members, and Fisher, I guess, left the group after that. Yeah, that's right. Let's take a listen to the song Hollywood by Rufus and Chaka Khan real quick, and then we'll talk about it. The song was actually co-written by Andre Fisher, the guy who we were just talking about, the drummer who had some problems with... Uh, Shaka Khan during the later time. The song tells a story of a man who is kind of down on his luck all his life and he moves to Hollywood because, you know, I think Hollywood kind of has this classical idea of, oh, everything's perfect there, so you'll make it big and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes there and in like the last stanza of the, of the song, I guess, he realizes that everybody's kind of artificial and, you know, they have smiles on their faces, but it's not like, it's not real. Mm-hmm. And everybody's washed up and everything, so. In the end, there's a line from the song that says, everybody makes believe in Hollywood, which is basically saying, you know, everybody says it's great, but when you actually get there, it's very uh, unforgiving, I guess. Yeah, there's really like that stigma with a lot of big cities, like like New York even, where there's this like love affair where people think, you know, oh, you know, if you can, if you just move there, anybody can make it. But really, this these big metropolitan areas are more unforgiving than, you know, even small towns, I guess, as far as like, making a career for yourself well i guess it depends on what you want to do i mean if you want to become big and famous you obviously have to move to one of these big cities Mm -hmm. but i mean it just seems funny because you probably have a lot better chance of like keeping a stable life and everything if you were at a smaller town exactly where you know you don't actually have such high expectations they should write a song about living in a small town called low expectations (laughs) maybe maybe that'll happen someday another song that references Hollywood is Hollywood Swinging by Cool and the Gang. This song was their first number one R&B hit, and it came out in 1974 from their album Wild and Peaceful, which actually came out in 1973. What I found really interesting is that this was their breakout album, but it was also their sixth album. 
since they had formed in 1969. So, I mean, it's it's odd. They they were really trying to make a hit. Six albums in five years. Yeah, but I mean, oh, this this album has a lot of their more uh, famous songs on it. I guess it's just interesting to me that six albums in, that's when they finally start picking up. Because I think in a lot of cases, famous artists, it's usually within their first one or two albums. That's kind of totally different genre, but that's kind of what happened to um, the Black Keys. They had been around since like 2000 and had like four albums out, and then the fifth album, just for whatever reason, made it big, and now they're exploding. That's interesting. Wasn't um, Coldplay a little bit like that, too? I think so. Coldplay had, had like two or three albums, and they didn't really make it big until that album X and Y, I think it's called. Yeah, well, because I, I know they had... I can listen to their old stuff. I want to say... Um, I know Parachutes was their, their first album. I know that, and then there was, I think, Rush of Blood to the Head. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think either one of those was particularly popular. I think there were a couple... Uh, singles from those but um, anyway I digress kind of let's listen to a clip of Hollywood Swinging by Cool McGay oh so the lyrics of this song is actually kind of opposite of the previous one we were talking about because in this one the singer tells he's basically saying he saw cool in the gang like he saw a live show of them and then he wanted to be a famous musician and then he talks about well now here i am doing the this hollywood swinging life you know having a good time so i mean this is i think more of the less realistic i don't know actually maybe not it depends on who you are i guess because we were saying with the last song it's kind of the the real thing doesn't always meet your expectations but this one is you know just as good as he was expecting to be I think, famous. I think it's funny that Cool and the Gang wrote a song about a guy who saw Cool and the Gang. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind a of song Inception. I just imagine Cool and the Gang doing a cover version of the theme song from Inception. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but it would sound I don't either. <laughs> they play one of their popular songs really slowed down. <laughs> that would sound really cool, actually. Probably. Hmm. Well, th- what's that program that we were playing with? Oh, I, don't, I still have it. I don't remember the name of it on top of my head. Yeah, it like super slows down songs to like whatever speed you want. It sounds really like ethereal. Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. I need to get that again because I think yeah. I just did it. No, it was on my Mac and my Mac died. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of digression going on here. That's what we do. Indeed. Um, another song that we thought of was the song Do You Know the Way to San Jose by Diane Warwick. Diane Warwick. I guess the song was actually written for Warwick in 1968. It was her third consecutive hit single and especially popular internationally, topping charts from Europe to South America. I listened to this song, and it's like quintessential elevator music. You think like, so? Yeah, like... Mm-hmm. Especially because like, uh, one of the versions I heard was like a much more instrumental version. Right. Um, totally just like sounded like elevator music to me. Like, what's... What's that song that's like always in elevators? Um, some girl from Iwo Jima or something. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big uh, connoisseur of elevator. Oh, I love elevator music. It's so soothing. <laughs> elevator music radio. Yeah. <laughs> we could broadcast from an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah. The music was actually written by I think uh, Bert Bacharach, who was a big uh, songwriter of that time period. So I think this song partly is popular because um, the music is by him. But let's listen to a clip of this song right there. Yeah. 
of mind in San Jose. So yeah, that was a little clip of Do You Know the Way to San Jose by Dan Warwick. The lyrics are actually about a person who goes to Los Angeles to make it big, who realizes that even if you do become famous, people will very quickly forget you. So she goes back north to her hometown of San Jose, California, where people are friendly and it's not so crowded. So yeah, that's right. this is similar to the first song where you, know, you move to this area where you have to go to be popular, but people's tastes are so fickle that even if you become famous it's like that that phrase 15 minutes of fame yeah you're forgotten very quickly so yeah well i think in the song she sings something about like how you're not verbatim but she says like oh you're famous for two weeks or something and then the next day you're you know washing cars for people Mm -hmm. pumping gas so i mean i think in a way that's kind of that's kind of true that's kind of true though i mean like what's what's that phrase dying is easy show business is hard (laughs) I've never. I don't think I've heard that. I think it's an old. It's an old timey phrase. But yeah, Hollywood has always been notorious as like a place that chews you up and spits you out. Yeah, exactly. Kind of sad, even to this. I mean, I guess. I mean, if you are one of the few, you know, percent of people who go there and actually make it big, I guess it's pretty cool. But like we said, even if you do, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, going to stay that way. Well, we actually talked about previously with like one hit wonders and stuff. You know. You can make one really popular song, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay popular. Yeah, it, it doesn't guarantee you future success. I think it's, I guess, I mean, this song is from, what, 68? So maybe I'm thinking San Jose was maybe a little bit smaller. San, yeah, San Jose has become much more of a college town now because of uh, the university up there. Yeah. I mean, it's fairly, it's a fairly big town, but I mean, it's a major yeah. city in California. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I would assume, I mean, L.A. slash... Hollywood. I mean, that's massive, so I'm, it's certainly a lot bigger than San Jose, but pretty cool. I read somewhere, don't quote me on this, but like okay. the actual land of LA and LA County that's kind of encompasses what really the size of LA is, is like bigger than Rhode Island. Well, yeah, I know they're not the most populous city in the country, but as far as like pure square mileage, what they're what is considered part of the city, it's the biggest. Yeah, well, I mean, I was actually thinking about this a day or two ago, how, like, from as far north, I don't even, like, north of LA, I don't know where what's up there. Pasadena and stuff. Yeah, and then, like, all the way down as far down south as, like, where we are mm-hmm. in Orange County, I mean, there's basically just nothing but city for, like, you know, I don't know how many square miles. It's Probably like, a good hundred, like, miles, nor- like, from top to bottom. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, just how many people are here. I guess that's another thing that makes it hard to make it big is that there's just so many other people that are competing. Indeed. Well, I'm going to move on to another song about a place. This one is actually by the Bee Gees. It's called Massachusetts. Now, I know we, we talk about the Bee Gees in almost every episode. I'm going to keep this one short, but um, I thought it was worth mentioning because it is actually a rather popular song. Um, this song is actually was written and performed by the group in 1967, so this was part of their earlier career that we have talked about many times. And this was one of their first songs to reach number one internationally and actually became one of the best-selling singles of all time, not just the Bee Gees, but just in music in general, um, when it sold 5 million copies. So that's a lot of copies. Uh, Let's listen to a clip of this song really quick. Massachusetts by the Bee Gees. Something's telling me I must go home.
The funny thing about this song is that the Bee Gees were, okay, so they originally from England, and then they later moved to Australia, where that's where their uh, musical career really started, I guess. So at the time that they wrote this song, Massachusetts, they had never actually been there. England, New England, same thing. Yeah, exactly. I think it was Robin Gibb who said that they chose the name of this song just simply because they like how Massachusetts sounds. So it's not, it's not, I guess, particularly about Massachusetts in itself. I don't think it really could have been since they had never been there. But um, it's one of the most famous songs of all time. They didn't even go there at the time. I'm sure they must have gone there later in their career when they were more popular, torn around. Yeah, yeah we, do, we do talk about the beaches a lot. Yeah, so, so uh, we, we can move on from there. We actually have another song from 1967. And yes. Mr. Kyle will tell us about that right now. Thank you, Mr. Peter. Um, yeah, another song written in 67 is uh, Funky Broadway by Wilson Pickett. The song is uh, actually written and performed by Dyke and the Blazers. <laughs> Fun name. But was made to a hit when Wilson Pickett covered it later that year. Now that I'm thinking about it, really, Wilson Pickett made a very big career out of covering other songs. Yeah. There's a lot of songs that are popular that weren't actually originally written or performed by him that he covered yeah. Uh, like Mustang Sally and such. It's pretty funny. Yeah, you're right. He, he did cover a lot of them. It's funny because we actually didn't mention him in our last episode where we talked about covers that became more famous than the original. I mean, this would, this would actually would have been just as good to... to yeah, mention. there you go. Let's listen to Funky Broadway by Wilson Pickett. The song's actually about dancing in nightclubs uh, and commonly associated with Broadway in New York City, but was actually written in reference to Broadway Street in Buffalo, New York. Kind of funny that it has nothing to do with actual... I mean, I don't think there's nightclubs on Broadway in New York, New York, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, like, the the kind of, like, dancey, happy lifestyle that they're talking about in the song, I mean, you could say that, yeah, I mean, it makes sense for Broadway in New York, but... Yeah, it's kind of funny how it's Broadway Street in Buffalo because I mean, like, who knows about that? You know, maybe maybe exactly. it's maybe it's really popular. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been to Buffalo. <laughs> I think they're in the aren't they the inventor of Buffalo Wings or Buffalo, just... New York? I yeah. have no idea. Oh, I think you might be right because then that's why they would be called Buffalo Wings. I don't know because there's not really any other reason for them to be called that. Yeah, that's just my guess. I I like Buffalo Wings. They're tasty. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, because you were talking before about how Wilson Pickett covered a lot of songs in his career um i would say even songs that he performed that were original by him i actually i think people covered a lot as well it's kind of it yeah. kind of the other way too yeah he's definitely one of those artists that's very he both covered stuff and people covered him so yeah. i guess it lent itself to that i mean because he was really influential obviously being one of the the early founders of kind of the more funky sound of of soul and r&b and this is a good example of that actually so one more song we want to talk about today is called New York, You Got Me Dancing by Andrea True. Cool thing about Andrea True, she was actually a really well-known porn star during the 1970s, but she kind of unexpectedly came into the disco scene in 76 with her song More, More, More. That whole story of how she kind of went from porn into disco is actually a pretty interesting story. I don't I don't think I'll uh, we'll tell it today because I think we can save it for another time when we feature that song More, More, More and her career more. I think I think we would mention it more later 
But uh, that's that's really an interesting story. Anyway, the song New York You Got Me Dancing came out in 1977 and became her second biggest disco hit. Like her other songs, it's very dance-oriented and meant to be played on on the, the dance floor. So likewise, it was it got really heavy uh, play playing, I guess, in uh, discotheques around the world, really. Because I think that's what she's really known for, is basically disco dancing songs. And you can listen to a clip of this song right now. So yes, the song is pretty much just a celebration of New York in general and all of the things it has to offer. So again, not not a more realistic vision of it. But I mean, again, I keep saying that, but I keep thinking, well, you know, not necessarily. I mean, I think New York is a really cool city. has a lot of really exciting things. And she, she sings mostly about going to dance clubs and stuff. So, I mean, there certainly is a lot of that. And there was, you know, back in 77. Hey, Mr. Peter, I got a question. Go for it. We covered songs about kind of like the East Coast and the West Coast, but we forgot about the entire middle of the country. Are there any songs that you can think of off the top of your head that are about Chicago? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, like, these are just songs that came to my head for places. I couldn't really think of any others. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Chicago is a good example of a really influential city in the Midwest. But yeah, aside from Motown. And Motown, yeah, you're right. Because that's definitely probably the second most influential city for folk and soul. Because there's a lot of blues songs about Chicago, I know, offhand. That could be something we could talk about, because Chicago was such a big place for... Yeah, that would be that would be a cool subject for future episodes, covering certain cities and what famous artists came from them. Yeah, and, the sp- and, and like record labels associated with those cities. Mm, exactly. With that whole Hurricane Sandy basically moving east, I wonder if, if uh, that city's going to get hit by a big blizzard, because basically the problem with that hurricane, they said, is that it melded with a giant northeastern storm and kind of formed like a giant superstorm. Oh jeez. <laughs> now going east and causing like massive blizzards in uh, New England. Well, I heard that the inland states are getting more like high winds and rain and stuff, but not necessarily flooding as much, but just yeah, yeah, weird the... weather in general. Yeah, oh, that... Etta James. I guarantee she did something about Chicago. I'm just sorry, I'm just looking at a list here. Oh yeah, go things. ahead. Well, she was signed to Chess Records, which which was in Chicago movie that i totally recommend that all you listeners see is um i think it's called chess records <laughs> no, it's called cadillac Records. cadillac records thank you this movie called cadillac records with uh it's got adrian brody and oh it's got um Beyonce, i think who plays and, uh Etta james yeah yeah and it's kind of a, a biopic about chess records and their formation and how they were really influential in the blues and eventually the r&b and rock and roll scene yeah. It kind of follows the life of Buddy Guy, who was one of the really, the first really famous blues performers, and also... Don't you mean Muddy Waters? Yeah, what did I say? I said Buddy Guy. Yeah, sorry. Muddy Waters, thank you. Well, yeah, Leonard Leonard Chess and Muddy Waters are like the, the yeah, two main guys. Yeah, thank you, Leonard. I'm getting people mixed up here. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of goes through the, the evolution of the relationship between Muddy Waters and Leonard Chess, and then all the different performers that kind of gravitated towards the studio and really got their fame from this place and how for certain performers fame totally changed them i think we should actually talk about this like we should have an episode later on about this movie because there's a lot of really good covers of like or like modern i guess renditions of these of these old songs yeah definitely 
by contemporary artists. And I think it was a really well done movie, and the music is really well done as well. So uh, I love that half our episodes are talking about what we're going to do for future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it keeps it keeps people on the edge of their seat for what will come in the future. Do you think eventually down the line, when we have a lot of episodes, we'll look back and we'll just spend all our time thinking back to the things we already talked the about? Past episodes, yeah. We kind we'll, of do that. We'll turn into the, we'll turn into like the Simpsons and just not have anything new to do. So, <laughs> like rely on old stuff. Yeah. So you couldn't find any songs about Chicago. Uh, uh, I found artists, but not particular songs. That, uh, you know, it's not ones that were titled Chicago. Right. So, I'm sure someone had to have done a cover of. Robert Johnson's Sweet Home Chicago, because that's like the birth of the blues song, basically. Mm. So I'm sure that's been re- redone by people, but no, I can't see it, find any offhand. Mm. Okay. Sadness. So yeah, that's all uh, I got. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps up our our episode on places then. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been DJ Kyle. And this has been Peter. We hope you've enjoyed Funk Radio, and we also hope that you are safe and sound inside your home. And that you're not being destroyed by Hurricane Sandy, because that would actually be really sad, so... Bye. Love you. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.